Hey guys, it's not 10 o'clock yet, but I figure I'd get started. Um, just setting you guys up. So, I guess my name is Joel Jackson for this session. It's recording, but I can't, I obviously can't tell you my real name. Um, I just want to make sure that everybody's got everything that's on the screen right now. So it's going to be, um, it's going to be one suture kit a pair of Atson drivers, uh, this white skin thing, um, a pair of scissors, a pair of needle drivers, a red and a blue cord, and there's got to be some masking tape on, on, on your table. All right, and then there's two cords. Um, for those of you who have been in suturing classes or have been in school before this before, uh, this would be like your standard like purple and white um, stitching guide. Um, but I think the red and the blue is going to help us differentiate what is right hand and what is left hand easier. So I want you guys to kind of take that and then tie, that, tie the two ends together in whatever knot you want, okay? As long as it stays put. And then what we'll do, it usually takes about three knots, when we get to this part of the presentation, we're going to take the masking tape and we're just going to tape it onto the table and then we'll go through that together, okay? But, <clears throat> so in the next, like, two or three minutes before we get started, I just wanted to make sure everybody's got that set up on their table. Um, and then after you're done with that, this weather stripping here, this is weather stripping for those of you who like to uh, do this class for others. This is a very cheap way to get skin. Uh, we, had, we had no budget. <laughs> this is obviously very expensive stuff right here. So um, after you guys are done tying that, I want you guys to take this. So you'll see that the weather stripping comes with the adhesive on the back there. And then take that off. Uh, preferably both of them, and then you're going to put it right smack dab in the middle of your body, uh, going up and down just like this, so that you're going to work on those sutures as you come down. Kind of like what we, did, what we started here, you're just, we're just going to start working down our way here, and we'll go through different kinds of stitches. Where should we put uh, Hold that off for now. Um, we're probably going to do the knots later on in the course. Um, but later on in the course, I think those are going to come in he helpful. So uh, it's 10 o'clock. I'm going to get started. So I'm going to start with a word of prayer, and then um, I'll introduce some people, and then we'll get started. Um, so let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for this morning and this conference and just allowing us this time and this place to practice. Lord, I pray for our hands and our minds um, and our giftings. Uh, I pray for everyone here uh, that you would use our hands uh, both to bring physical healing, but also to deliver aid and to deliver your love. Uh, I pray for each and every single person here that you would use their hearts and their minds and their hands at this point uh, to ultimately bring the gospel to the ends of the world. I mean, just pray for your cause and your kingdom, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All righty. Um, I go, my name is Joel Jackson. I go by a pseudonym. I'm not going to tell you my real name, but you can see my real name here. Um, I am a trauma surgeon based out of Memphis, Tennessee. Um, I, uh, I've been working with several organizations, uh, Solaris Purse, PACS, 
uh, Baptist Global Response, um, and I'm still doing some work um, in a pretty closed country, so I didn't want to give, give away my name, and so please don't take any pictures of me, but you could take pictures of anything else, okay? Um, I want to introduce, yep. I don't have a full pseudonym yet, so this is me as well. My wife and I are, uh, I just graduated from general surgery residency. We're working in Indiana, and we are going to be going to Togo for our first three-year stint with the IMB, uh, and then we may be going to similarly difficult to access places. So, again, this is my actual name. All right. We were uh, roommates for about a month when uh, I was doing my fellowship at Emory, and he came to do an away rotation, and... Uh, that's how this all began. So now I saw him in the hallways and said, there's no way I'm going to teach 45 people how to suture by myself. <laughs> um, so we're probably going to get um, you know, him to teach half the class, and we'll walk around and kind of go through this. This is uh, I try to set up a camera in the orientation that you're looking at so we could just kind of go through this together. The goal of this is I want to give you the most bare-bones suturing technique and skills uh, before you leave, there's going to be, I mean, there's, you could be a surgeon if you wanted to, but we want to get the basic skills so that if you're either in the middle of nowhere or at your kitchen table at home, somebody has a laceration and you need to just throw some quick stitches through, then this will be your course. And, um, and so you'll see, I'm going to focus on the basic skills, and then we're going to go out uh, towards some more advanced skills that you're probably not going to need, but at least you're aware of those. Um, and so once uh, I just want to focus on that, make sure everybody's got the basic skills, and then if you want to practice later, then we'll be able to. You'll have that in your tool set just in case you need it. Um, so I'm going to be going in and out of the PowerPoint and the camera view. Um, so let's see. We'll just go through this. So the first one is... Uh, Suturing workshop, we're going to do types of wounds, sterile technique and preparation, common suturing instruments, anesthetics, uh, choosing the right suture and needle. Um, so there's several types of wounds. You have the normal skin. I wish I could get this bigger. Does anyone know? Okay, perfect. All right, so um, there's normal skin. <coughs> I don't know if this is going to be long enough for me. Um, not, every, not every wound is going to need stitches, right? So there's hematomas, which is just blood underneath the skin, contusions, which is just bruising, penetration wounds, possibly puncture wounds, incisions will definitely need uh, a stitch, laceration wounds, possibly, depending on how the size or the shape of the, the wound looks like. Abrasions are basically skin tears, don't really need any stitching. Um, Preparation, once you do have a wound, you want to start from the center and swab in circles going out. This is supposed to mimic betadine, or you can use alcohol. Uh, sometimes you'll just use water. Sometimes you'll have nothing, um, depending on what you have. Sterile technique, this is, this is in America. This is what you would normally use. Everywhere else, you'd be happy if you had gloves, right? <laughs> Um, so this is maximum protection. Um, you want to minimize the amount of bacteria that's going into the person's skin, right? So um, everything that you see here, you should have some kind of instrument. These are your basic uh, instruments, your ads and forceps. So these are tooth. They're two, two, one teeth um, 
configuration, so it grabs tissue. There's the needle driver and a hemostat, which is kind of interchangeable. I'm not exactly sure which ones you got. They're, I, think, I guess they're like Pakistani versions of something. Um, so, so, and then you have suture scissors. So everybody should have three of these, right? Um, and that is all you need. In fact, you could probably get away. You could probably get away with the forceps. You probably just need a needle driver if you really just need, or you could just use your hands, right? Um, scalpels. You don't have scalpels because of obvious reasons here. There's, this isn't a hospital, so I couldn't get a biohazard discarding bucket or anything. But um, there's different types of blades. The three major types of blades that we use are the 11 blade, which is this point here. This is the 11, this is your 15, and this is your 10 blade. So the 11 blade is for puncture wounds that you want to make uh, straight incisions. It's very sharp. It's basically, you know, like a stabbing knife. 15 blade is kind of like your 10 blade. 10 blade has a very large belly. Um, and when you make your incisions, you want to use the, the tip of your belly. And this is for making your generous kind of midline incisions, very large incisions. You want to use a large blade like your 10 blade. Uh, your 15 blade, which is a mini version of the 10 blade, it's a little bit more controlled. Those are for more, uh, more um, uh, targeted incisions. These are more of your excisional biopsies. Um, and then anesthetics, also something that you may or may not have. Um, you can use lidocaine. You'll use whatever. There's whatever they have, actually. So um, in the U.S., lidocaine, marcaine, lidocaine with epi. <clears throat> the reason why you would use epinephrine is that it constricts the blood vessels. So any lidocaine that you do inject allows it to stay within that region of the body longer. Um, but the onset's pretty quick, uh, two to five minutes, and it lasts about one to five hours or so, depending on how much you use and where you put it. Um, a lot of times, as you might know, the lidocaine abroad doesn't work, so um, you have to be kind of creative about how to emotionally walk someone through a repair. Yes, absolutely. So, good question. Um, epinephrine, as you know, constricts blood vessels. Um, so, that's good if you want to localize that local anesthetic to that part of the body. But if you're constricting vessels to end or extremities of your body, let's say, for instance, you have a laceration at the tip of your finger. You put epinephrine in there, and there's not a lot of collateral circulation to the tip of the finger. And so you can imagine uh, constricting blood vessels for the three or four hours to the tip of your vessel will lead to possible amputation. <laughs> so you don't want to constrict the blood vessels to the end, either dead or, like, let's say the tip of your nose, tip, tips of your ears. Anywhere there's limited collateral um, um, blood supply, you want to make sure that you don't use epinephrine. But if you have an incision, let's say on your skin, on, on your arm, your leg, back, uh, completely fine. In fact, you probably should if you can because the anesthetic lasts longer and um, it's just kinder to the patient. <clears throat> um, you want them to be able to get a laceration repair and say, I never felt a thing. This was amazing. Uh, versus someone who's, you know, limping for the rest of the day, right? Um, next, we have uh, injecting anesthetic. This image is a little bit blurry, but this is um, kind of principles. Um, you want to stay a little bit superficial to the skin, so you're creating a wheel, almost like a TB shot. 
And um, everyone has their own personal ways of injecting anesthetic. This, I think, is a good way because you minimize the access points. So these, these black dots are where the needle is coming in. And what you want to do is take the, without, when, once you go in with the needle, you go one direction, cover this half, and then you pull back without pulling the needle back using the same needle hole and then direct your needle down this way. So now you've got 360-degree coverage with just four access sites. So you want to minimize these points, one, because sometimes uh, they, they'll bleed, and secondly, it's also another access site for, for uh, bacterial growth. So um, minimizing the number of times you actually go into the skin helps. Another technique um, that's not really in textbooks but surgeons use is sometimes we take these needles and you can actually go underneath the dermis or the epidermis and go along the dermal layer. So you're injecting underneath the skin without actually going through the skin. So you could go actually underneath in the subcutaneous fat or the dermal layer and inject that going up and down. Um, and that minimizes your access sites to zero. You won't have any needle sites then because all your needle sites are actually underneath the skin and you're using the natural opening of the incision to do that. Any questions about that? There's a, yep. That method where you go dermal, that does hurt, just so yeah. you know. Oh, yeah. I've had it done to me, and it was not pleasant. But you don't stick them, so that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what suture material are you going to use? Um, again, abroad, you have no choice. You use whatever you got. But um, um, this is America, and... <laughs> You know, obviously you have as many choices as you want. Um, it could be pretty confusing looking at the branding of a suture. Um, there's really not a lot of helpful information here that we personally use. The most important information that we use is the gauge of the needle. So uh, 5.0 means that the gauge of the needle is getting smaller. The no higher the number, the smaller the needle. So 5.6.0 are needles that we use for vasculature, anything that's really small in the eye. If the higher you go, the ones that you have now is your 2.0 needles. 2.0 is kind of like our go-to uh, needle um, gauge that's pretty much good for any skin um, up until like 4.0. Uh, 4.0 is for like a plastic plastics type of closure where you're really looking for um, how good the incision looks. The larger the gauge, the more scarring you'll have. Um, then you have the needle, uh, the needle type and the, and the image of the needle. So we'll have, this is a reverse cutting, um, kind, of, kind of a little bit more that I want to go into. But the biggest thing that you're looking for is, number one, your needle gauge. And then number two is the suture material. Now, nobody calls it poly, polyamide 6, right? In the U.S., we just call this ethylon or nylon. Um, and there's a lot of other types of sutures that you can use. Um, these are some of the more common ones. So you have... Um, I guess the most common ones that we use are the Vicryl stitches. Vicryl, proline, monocryl are the most common. You have a pair of silk stitches in your, in, on your table. And we have plain gut, chromic gut. So just to kind of quickly go through that, um, anything with gut um, basically dissolves pretty quickly. It's just a matter of days. Um, that's really stitches that you want to dissolve pretty you know, quickly, and you don't want it to be there for a very long time. So a lot of times you use gut stitch, acromics in, um, in dental procedures, so you'll have uh, stitches there, and then they'll just dissolve in a couple of days. Um, Vicryl is, is usually our go-to because it's kind of the same consistency as the silk. 
um, in your hand. If you guys want to open that silk, you can kind of take a look at that stitch. Um, it's what we call braided. So if you take a good look at the stitch itself under or feeling it, you can actually feel that it's pretty, it's braided and it's not smooth like a monofilament. A monofilament stitch is smooth. It almost feels, it actually is fishing line. Um, and and um, the braids uh, versus the monofilament. Monofilament allows it to go through the tissue with less trauma. Um, and then the biggest thing that you really want to know is are they absorbable or not? So there's four here that are absorbable. The gut stitches are absorbable. Vicryl and monocryl are absorbable. So that's important because that's uh, good for follow-up. If they're absorbable, you could put those stitches in and then just never see the patient again. Um, so, you know, if it's like a clinic and you know that they're taking hikes and going back, you know, and you'll never see them again, you should probably use some kind of uh, absorbable suture. And then of the absorbable, you can imagine um, um, if they're going to dissolve and it's a, you know, dissolvable stitches, you could imagine don't last as long as um, uh, non-absorbable ones. So, um, if you have a pretty sizable wound, um, you want to start going towards Vicryl or something called PDS in the States, um, almost like fish and line. It takes about six months to dissolve. Um, but Vicryl is a good one for regular skin incisions. That takes about three to four weeks or two to three weeks to dissolve. Um, so that's a good, for surgeons, it's a very good go-to stitch because it's got good strength to it. It'll last about a month, and it'll just fall out of the body when the patient, you know, dissolves through it. Um, so they don't need any follow-up. Now, um, there's non-absorbable stitches, like the silk that you have now. Um, there's nylon um, and proline. Proline's pretty strong. It's, it's very hard to break that stitch. Um, but you'll use that when you are expecting follow-up. So you need good tensile strength. It's good for drains. It's good for... Uh, midline incisions. So when you know that they're going to come back and follow up with you, you could, you could imagine that you could take those out. Any big high-tension incisions, um, you know, that's a good stitch to use because you know that the body's not going to dissolve through it. Um, any questions about this? All right. And then types of needles, not something you really need to know, really. Um, this is really going to the dirt a little bit. Um, but these are a little bit, so there's, there's straight needles, there's different curvatures of the needle. Um, the reason why you'll need different curvatures of a needle is depending on how quickly do you want that needle to turn. Um, so for deep, deep uh, incisions where you're suturing into a hole inside the body, you want that needle to turn pretty quickly. Um, so you go in, and then as soon as you turn your wrist, the needle's starting to come back out. Versus if you want to cover a large width, or go through a lot of tissue, you don't want that needle to turn as quickly. Um, so you'll want, you know, like half a circle, um, and that needle will be able to go through the skin and it almost skies. Instead of turning as soon as you go in, it gives you a lot more uh, bandwidth to go the depth of the tissue before you get to the other side. Um, some cutting aspects of the needle. So a needle could be tapered or blunt. Blunt is good if you're, let's say, ever suturing the liver, um, taper, <laughs> uh, reverse and cutting needles, uh, just to keep that in, in perspective, right? Um, 
So not something that you're really going to uh, deal with. I think the ones that you have now are taper needle. It's half a circle. So it's pretty much, you know, it'll turn as soon as you go in. Um, and then uh, with a little bit of, of, of moving your wrist. Um, and then it's a taper needle, so it actually goes in, um, cuts through whatever you need to cut through without having an incising kind of motion to it. So you can imagine cutting needles, whether they're regular cutting or reverse cutting, the point of the needle, there's actually like a blade there. Um, so it helps to get through really difficult tissue, but you've got to remember those needles also could cut. So if you pull too much on a needle, you could actually pull through whatever you're operating through. So let's say if you are suturing on the liver, you don't want a cutting needle because even just a little bit of, of pulling action on your hand will cut through the liver and you're doing more damage than good. Versus like if you're operating on the skin, um, you actually want something sharp to be able to pierce the skin. You act, you know, you're, you're piercing the skin and you want to be able to get through that. So if you're using a blunt needle, you're, you know, the needle's just going to bend because you're not going to be able to make, through it, <coughs> make it through the skin. All right, so um, the fun part, I really want everyone to practice because the majority of this is just getting, getting the motions down and then building a muscle memory so that, you know, you'll never need us again and wherever you guys are, um, you'll remember how to do this, okay? So that's why I want to allocate a lot of time. We've got a lot of supplies and just, you know, we're just going to create incisions here. Um, so I'm going to do the hand, the knot tying a little bit later because um, the hand tying, the one-handed, two-handed knots are pretty difficult to get. So I want to just kind of leave the end of this class to do that um, because you can still tie um, with your instrument. Um, the problem is you don't have instruments half the time that you're out there. So um, you have to know how to tie with your hands. But, so we'll have to get to that because that's, that's a skill that you need to have. Um, but an instrument tie, if you're in a semi-developed country, an instrument tie is a perfect way to go. It's the easiest way to tie a knot uh, from my perspective. Um, using your hands, it becomes really confusing. So um, we're going to start with this simple interrupted stitch. Uh, so the, between the combination of this and... Well, between the combination of this and this, you should be able to take care of any laceration that comes your way. Basic bare bone suturing. If you master this, you're done. You know, you can take care of pretty much everything, right? Um, if you want to get into finesse and doing this and that, then we could, we'll talk about all of the other types of suturing, all of this. Um, but, um, you know, we're going to focus to make sure that you get these two skills correct, okay? Um, someone comes in, they have a laceration, they fell, there's a cut, uh, it's too big for it to just heal naturally. Um, and that dif differs on which part of the body it's on. For instance, like a centimeter on the face versus a centimeter on your skin. Um, you know, you're more inclined to close the face versus closing the one on your skin because this has more tensile ability and it's disfiguring. So pl placing a stitch like on your brow is probably more helpful than just leaving a, a one centimeter incision open on your skin, although you probably want to close that too. Um, so some simple principles. Um, there is a 2x and an x here. So you're going about the same width out on each side as you are from each stitch, okay? So 
Um, you, want to, you don't want to be too close to the, the incision edges because if that stitch is holding and the patient starts to move around in their daily activities, um, that's probably going to rip the skin apart. So you want to go out enough so it holds enough skin to be able to hold that. Second thing is as you're going in, you always want to put your needle. It's going to come in at a 90-degree angle, okay? You don't want to skive with the needle. If you go in at a 90 degrees, it makes it a lot easier for you to actually make it through the skin. If you're going through an angle, you're pushing down on the needle as you try and come across. And then interrupted, very easy. You just go in, go through, and then come back out. And then we're going to tie the, tie the knot on top, and we'll walk through the instrument tie. Um, difference between these two is that one is going kind of out as it goes in, and then it comes back in. What that does to the incision is it puckers it up just a little bit and allows it to evert. You want to evert because the epidermis, when it inverts, the epidermis going to the epidermis. It makes it very difficult for that skin incision to heal. Um, in fact, it's not supposed to heal because the epidermis is a waterproof layer. So if you do, if it starts to invert on you, um, that incision, at least at the very tip, is not going to heal correctly. So you want the cut edge to be able to oppose each other, and that allows for angiogenesis and blood vessels to grow, um, and that will allow that skin incision to heal. Um, so going out a little bit will help. Those are a little bit, you know, it's granular in terms of details. Ultimately, for any laceration, you just want to make sure that you go through, come out the other side, and then we'll tie the knot on the other side. So, um, all right, so, I have a yeah. Are you going to be um, suturing differently if the um, wound is on a diagonal as opposed to straight down? Um, it depends. So I think it depends on, are you speaking about, let's say, if you're on the skin and the skin is diagonally oriented or yeah, if it's I'm a skiving incision? The injury, the, the wound. Yeah. Um, what you want to do is you want to oppose the skin edge. So um, we'll kind of go through that. If it's a deep incision, you want to make sure you eliminate some dead space there. But let's say it's an incision that skives. Um, you just want to make sure that the two edges of the skin oppose each other. So you're not so worried about what's happening underneath the dermis. You want to make sure that the epidermis is aligned, and that's what you're targeting. Um, when you're suturing, the way that you're suturing is how that patient's going to heal. So if it's a very disfiguring closure, that patient's going to have that scar for the rest of his life, right? Um, so when you're closing, you want to make sure that you're matching the skin up instead of having it off a little bit. You want to make sure that the skin is aligned, um, and, and closing it that way will give the best chance for the patient to never really struggle with that scar. Um, another... Um, Another aspect of this is, um, you know, the, it's the tension-free aspect of it. Um, so when you have an incision about this side, its size, it's about the kind of what we call the rule of halves. What you want to do is put the suture right in the middle of it, and then that will bring the two edges together. It gives you a visual approximation of, am I aligning this correctly? So you push the skin edge together. You see where it kind of lines up. And then you bring it, you cut that incision in half, put your first stitch through there, um, and then you take a look at it and say, is this lining up pretty well? If it's lining up pretty well, you put a second stitch, cut this distance in half, put that stitch in, cut that distance in half, put that stitch in, and then you work your way out. 
Um, usually if there's about a centimeter of space, well, it depends on which part of the body, but if there's about a centimeter of space in between every stitch, you're at a, at a good spot. Um, anything too small, it's probably over-suturing. Anything larger than a centimeter, um, you're probably going to leave some gaps, or it's going to actually heal with the incision open. So um, you want to do it so that everything stays closed, and the tension of the laceration repair is equally spread across all of the entire length of the incision. Um, all right, so everybody's got their, their, uh, their skin strapped to the table. Um, again, there's, for those of you who came late, there's, a, there's an adhesive on the back of this. How do I get out of that PowerPoint? Let's see. So there's adhesive on the back of that, that orange tab. So you could just peel that off, uh, peel both of it off, okay, and then put a straight vertical up and down uh, uh, midline away from you, okay? All right, so um, try to make sure not to lose these needles. I'm not sure what happens <laughs> if we lose that needle or not. And we're going to be making a lot of trash. I'm sorry about that. Um, so you can um, remove all the plastic wrapping and get everything ready for yourself. <clears throat> yeah, that's a good idea. So there's a lot of different ways to load this needle. Loading is basically putting the needle onto the needle holder. So this is your needle holder. Um, and for this one, you go, usually you could go just about halfway, which is kind of like this. Um, for shallow ones like this, I usually like to go a little bit closer than halfway, which is, which is kind of like this. It gives you a little bit more control. The deeper the laceration, the further back you want to go because the further back you go, um, the more needle length you have to go through as much tissue as possible. So if you look at this, I'm kind of going up and down, pre-vertical, a little bit past halfway on the curvature. So it's almost up, you know, a little bit up and down. And then at a slight angle, I'm right-handed. If you're left-handed, how many are south part? Well, uh, south paws kind of go the opposite direction. <laughs> Is that not a term? <laughs> so left-handed people will load it this way, and you're going to go from left to right, okay? Now, I put it at the very tip, tip of the needle holder. There's, you could do it there. Um, you don't want to do it here because then you won't be able to, you're going to be fighting yourself as you're putting this stitch in. So you want to go to the very tip as possible, as far to the tip as you can. And I, could, I put it at a slight angle. As you can see, it's kind of off at a slight angle, um, a little bit past halfway. Now you have your absent forceps. You, you can see that there's teeth involved. It helps you to grip, uh, grip our, our skin here. Um, and so you can watch this, and then we're going to go through, and then I'm just going to keep repeating it so we, we get everybody together, right? So there's, 
there's your laceration right here. And what you want to do is you grab this part of the incision, or this laceration, and then I could probably get you closer, honestly. <clears throat> so you grab one side of it, the, part, the side that you're starting, you're grabbing it, and there's tension and counter tension. So you're pushing down with one side while you're pulling up with this side. So you're pulling that way while you're pushing down. You're kind of mating those two together. So you're taking that 90-degree angle. Remember, you're coming straight in at a 90-degree angle. And you're going through the incision, and you're going to see it come out the other side as you're rotating the needle around. And then you, you preferably don't want to grab anything, right? That's why they give you instruments. Um, so you grab that needle, and you follow the curvature of the, of the needle. Now, this is a little bit tough, so it's going to take a little bit of resistance. Make sure that both adhesives are on the back and stuck to the table, and then you're going to pull this through. And I just tore through the skin. <laughs> so it's a possibility that you're going to do that. So I'm going to go back in and probably grab a little. So, the, you know, that's going to happen in real life. So, um, you know, that means you just need more tissue to grab so it doesn't cut through. And then you're just pulling the, the suture out. And I usually like to leave about two or three centimeters of the tail for instrument ties. Uh, if you're not doing an instrument tie, you're going to leave a longer tail uh, because you'll have to use both ends to tie the knot. <clears throat> so from that end, then you go ahead and go through the other side in the same way, going into the laceration, and then you're coming out through the other side, and then following the suture, uh, the natural curvature of the suture, you're bringing that out through both sides, and now, you know, you have a free-floating side from one side to the next. All right. Did everybody kind of go through that? And then we're going to go through the instrument tying together. You know you're teaching the next one. <laughs> like, the next. Good question, good question. So there was a question of how I hold my hemostat. Um, the surgical way to hold it is to hold it. Um, there's two answers to that. There's, uh, there's, uh, there's the surgeon's way to hold it, which is palming it. So I'm holding it like this, and you're holding it this way. So you're kind of holding it this way, and then you're... Your point of the your pointer finger is moving it, so you're kind of rotating your hand like this, and that's how you're flipping that needle. Now, that takes time, and it usually takes about a year of internship and residency for you to get that down. <laughs> so you'll see uh, surgical residents in the hospital; they'll have one of these in their pocket all the time. I don't know if I did it, he did it, everybody's done it. And basically, what what we're doing as we're walking around the hospital is we're just learning how to open and close with your palm and being able to rotate it. 
So, you know, you'll see residents, you know, you'll know who's an intern because they have this in their hand all day long. And all they're doing is they're opening, closing, and rotating, opening, closing, and rotating. So that's how, that's how they're learning how to do that. Most people will just do the, you know, the three-finger technique, two fingers in. It doesn't matter which finger you're going through with, but the pointer finger's out, so it gives you some stabilizing ability with that. And what you're doing is, uh, as you have that, you're rotating it out like this. So the reason why surgeons don't like this technique is because oftentimes you're making a full circle, and you can imagine this doesn't work very well when you're trying to make a full circle going all the way around, especially if the back of that needle needs to come out of a skin incision. You need to go all the way around to make that happen. So you'll probably notice that difficulty as you're suturing. That turn going around, you know, rotates your hand in a very abnormal way. So when you palm it, when you palm the, the, the needle holder, you can actually flip the whole needle in your hand without being able to do anything, right? Your, your, your hand actually stays put. So you can, actually go through, you can actually go through the incision, and then you can rotate out, and then you could almost rotate again and go through the next layer. So um, you'll see that, you know, when someone's operating, you could go through the incision, and without ever coming out or going in, you just kind of go through one natural motion of two circles. And you'll go from one circle here rotate out and go through the next circle on this side without ever letting go of this hemostat. So you save a lot of moves. It's faster. Can you do it and show us on your screen? How to rotate? So what you're doing is you're holding it with your palm, and this is pointing, and it's giving you leverage to turn, kind of like this. And so what you're doing is, I don't know if you can see it from the screen in per se, but you're going through like this and you're coming through the laceration. Now, as you're, as you're coming through, uh, so as you're coming through, you're almost letting go of this. So you let go of your needle, and then you're grabbing this with the other side, and you're pulling this, and you're rotating out. You can see in my hand that it's rotating in my hand, and it's coming out this way. So if you grab, if you grab the needle, if I had grabbed the needle back here as it was coming out, you're pulling it out, and you could automatically turn this around, and you're ready to go through the next side. So you kind of come through. And then with your palm, you're kind of going through, and you're coming out like this. And then we're ready. We're ready, getting ourselves ready for the instrument tie. So is everybody up to this stage? Yeah. Let me get you closer. <coughs> Any other questions about holding your needle dry? Yep. Um, so we're not necessarily about the needle holding the needle. Yeah. What's the reason of doing one at a time versus yeah. uh, Good point. So that's something, um, something I teach my interns too. So um, going through both sides of the incision is fine. Um, if nobody's watching, um, <laughs> I say that because when I'm not lucky, my residents are doing that. So, um, 
in uh, the you know when you actually watch them. The reason why is because the biggest thing about this is that when you're going through this, you want to make sure that you're going through the depths of the laceration. So when you're going, th- you know, this is a pretty straightforward, stable situation, but you don't know what the laceration looks like. You don't know if the laceration is deeper or longer, or what have you, in different parts of the body. Um, so you, you really want to get past the epidermal and the dermal stage. Make sure that your needle is coming out of the other side and then go in pretty much at the same level on the other side. The problem with bigger incisions is this needle really carries you only about a width of, I don't know, maybe three-quarters of an inch. So if that incision is pretty big or it's pretty deep, um, you want to go deeper. You might want to go three-quarters of an inch into the wound and then come out on the other side. So if you put both sides together and try to take it in one grab, you would need a needle that's about one and a half inches long. Um, so it's really about the depth of the, um, the, the wound itself. Um, again, you got to remember there's a two-to-one ratio. So the needle, the needle length is, about, is only the length of this needle. So that's the width. So for this incision itself, you could get away with just going through in one bite. Um, and you could, as we go along, as we come down the strip, you could, you could start doing that to save time. Um, especially for skin incisions, that's fine. For anything deeper um, that, that you want longer than at least this to this, let's say if you're going out wider than that and you're going deeper than that, this needle is not going to be long enough for you to take all of that tissue with one bite. So you want to make sure that using the length of this needle, you're getting enough of a bite with one side and then you're getting enough of a bite on the other side. Um, but obviously, definitely for this one, you know, this needle length itself from here to here is more than enough to cover the distance from here to here. Um, and this is a very shallow wound, so this is easily taken by one bite if you wanted to. Um, I think if you're dealing with most lacerations on the field that are pretty shallow, um, totally reasonable to take in one bite, especially if you're just rushing or you just, you know, want to make sure that, uh, I don't know, I guess you're beating time or something. Um, all right, so any other questions? All right, so we got a tail here, and I'm going to do this over and over again, okay? So the biggest concept for me, everybody's got a different way of doing this. So I think about this as a V, okay? There's a V. Everybody see the V? And the needle holder stays within the V, all right? So... I am inside the V, and taking the suture on this side, you're going to turn twice, one, two, making sure that the hemostat was on the inside of the V. So it's, not, it's coming around this way, like this, versus being on the outside of the V, which is this way. That's, that's not right, okay? So staying inside the V, and two turns this way. And then what you're doing is you're grabbing the other side, and you don't want to grab it here. You want to grab it all the way at the tip. And you're pulling this, and you're crossing your hands so it lays flat. You see how that knot knot is starting to lay flat? Versus if it was this way, then the knot is not laying flat. If you lay it down this way and you're crossing your hands, then it lays flat. Now you have another V. Right? Everybody sees the next V? So, you know, you could pull this down, cinch it down as much as you want. And then you have your next V. 
So you're staying within. So this tail is coming out this way. This is your next V over here. You're staying on this side. But on your second and every subsequent knot, you only need one turn. So that's one. Staying within the V. Grabbing the very tip of this next tip, uh, this next tail, and you're bringing it down this way. I got an air knot in there, but this is for instructive purposes. Next, next V, you're pulling it out. You're pulling the tail opposite direction. So next V is here. Everybody see the next V? Inside the V, the hemostat stays inside the V, and you're doing one turn here, grabbing the tail bringing it to the other side, opposite direction. This V goes around this way, comes around here, grabs the tail, pulls it to the opposite direction. Another V again, like that. Comes around, grabs the tip, pulls it opposite direction. Next V here, turns around, opposite direction, so on and so forth. Uh, depends on the stitch. So for, uh, for silk, usually four or five is good. If you get to six, it's definitely good. Um, if you just want to practice, you could just do as many as you want. Um, but usually four or five for real life purposes is fine. Any questions? Four or five for each knot? Four or five for each sutra, yeah. Yeah, one, two, three, four. Yep. So was it the first time you wrapped around twice and then the rest of the time it was just once? Everybody does like five of those. This is like, if you guys could walk away with this one skill, you guys are set. Because this is all I use for lacerations on the field. So. So there was a good question. One, one gentleman asked, how do I keep the knot tight? Uh, you can see this is what we call an air knot because there's space underneath this knot. Um, and you don't want to do that because then it's not going to heal well. There's a couple of ways to fix that. Um, one is to cross it, and the other one is to throw more loops. So I told you to throw two loops. Another way to keep it tight is to throw three loops or four loops. Um, you do that, the more loops you tie around the stitch, the more likely it's going to stay put. Um, so I can kind of show you. Let's say we go through, and let's say I go through one side, come out the other side. So let's say you tie it one, two, three. So if you do three, you see that it lays tighter on the skin. 
and you pull as tight as you can, and you can see now it's as tight as you need it to be. And that's a lot tighter than this one. Three, yeah. Yep. Everybody's not and our secrets look amazing. Any questions? Anybody want to get started with the not tying part about it? So This is going to be harder. So let's say everybody get their red and blue and just tie a knot to tie the two ends together. And there's masking tape at everybody's table. And we're just going to tape that down so it stays put right next to where you need to work. Okay, so you have two tails coming out. Uh, just for the sake of sanity, I guess you could keep the red side on the right side to match my side. And then uh, you could follow me as we go through this. This is much harder to learn, okay? There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of moving action, and then uh, chances are, don't feel bad if the moment you walk out of here, you don't remember how to do this part, because I don't remember how long it took me to learn this. Um, but it just takes a matter of practice, right? Um, so we'll make sure everybody's got that set up. So again, everybody tie the two ends together. And then with the masking tape that's at everybody's table, just tie that knot down. And so you have the right side coming out, the left side coming out. And um, just make sure, for the sake of sanity, keep the red side on the right side and the blue side on the left side, because that's going to be important as we go through this. And we're going to be tying a knot. Yeah, we're going to be tying a knot with our hands now. So just in case you don't. Oh, and if it's to the suture. Yeah, yeah. Just imagine these are the free ends of the suture. So this would, this would be like your free end, and this would be you know, your needle end, and we're using thicker cord, so it's easier to, number one, see, because of two different colors. I'm going to hide this tail here, just so everybody knows what it's what. And, um, and then we're just going to translate this skill down to the suture level, which is going to be harder. All right? Everybody set up? Okay, so this is going to be a two-handed knot. Um, <coughs> You know, when you, uh, so we're going to skip all of this because I do, these are, these stitches, I'll just kind of go through the slides here really quickly, but we're going to get through this where you don't need, you don't need so much of any of, you know, we'll get through that. Um, so this is your two hand knot. <laughs> and we're going to try to get, get we're going to get through this together, okay? <laughs> um, this is, if anything, this is why the suture workshop is helpful. Because <laughs> when you look at that image, you're like, I don't understand. All right, so you have two ends, okay? Let me get this out of the way. So you, 
Oh, this is really hard. All right, so you have two ends. And you're holding it kind of like this. I'm going to have Josh come up, and he's going to teach you his way, too. I feel like more people teaching you different ways is going to be helpful for everybody since some things work for some people. All right, so usually I hold it with two hands. Um, doesn't matter. There's two ways. There's two, ele- two halves of this because there's square knot, it's a two-handed knot, and there's always two halves. So it doesn't matter which side you start with, but let's say you start with this side. So, so it doesn't matter which side, but for, for the sake of random arbitrariness, we're going to start with this side. So the thumb goes around, okay? I don't know if you want to follow me or not or just watch the first time. Thumb goes around, and you're creating a loop with the other side. So this is why the colors are helpful. So you're crossing over with this side, and then you're, I'm creating a little bit of an okay sign here, and you're following through the loop, and you're grabbing this one, and then you're pulling it through the other loop. And then you're grabbing it this side, and then this is kind of crisscross, so you want to lay it flat, and it's coming down like this. That's one half of the knot, okay? The second half of the knot is kind of, so the, this was your first one, just to confuse you. This is the second half. You're kind of pointing to the other side. Now, in this one, you're always crossing to create a loop, right? There's a little loop here where my thumb is. So on the second half of this, you're going to create it from the bottom side up. And you're going to cross over, and now there's a loop this way. You see that loop that my index finger is in? You're creating that okay sign, pinky and thumb, going through the loop. Okay, so that motion is the same as the last time. And this one grabs this free end, right, and then pulls it through, and you grab it at the other end. Now, this is going to stay crossed, but you want to lay it flat. So you see how this knot is flat? And then as this comes down, you will see that this is a square knot. You see that it creates a little bit of a square. I don't know if you can see it. This half of the square and that half of the square. So you see that that's a square knot. I guess you can see it that way. All right? Yep. So is there a reason to tie it exactly that way? Or as long as we get a square knot, it doesn't matter? It doesn't matter. But this is for... Perfection purposes, like what is a square knot? You can see that this is a square knot, right? So I don't know if I can loosen this up for you or whatnot, but it's a perfect square knot. It's a mirror image of each other. So the red is going around and the blue is going around and it's doing the same thing both sides. It's creating a square. So that being said, I'm going to do it again. Yeah. Can I ask why we don't just tie it like we like tie our shoes? Like. Uh, because Why those, okay yeah, that? yeah. Most of y'all don't tie square knots. I don't. I don't tie square knots in my shoelaces. Okay. So now, be- if you were taught to tie square knots, yeah. yeah. So now, believe it or not, so those knots actually come undone, obviously, because shoelaces come undone, right? Uh, with square knots, they don't. That's the whole purpose of those. So you do this and you do it three or four times. Those knots are not going to come undone. So that's the whole goal. You don't want to tie a knot that three weeks down the road, they're in the middle of the jungle, and the knots come undone, and then everything opens up again. So that's the only reason why 
Why the square nut out of all the other nuts for those of you in sailing? There's a lot of nuts that don't slip. Uh, the square nut is probably one of the most assured ways that you tie a knot and, and it won't get undone. Um, so we're going to do it again. Everybody ready? So we're starting at the starting point. Um, I started with the thumb. The thumb comes down. You're pulling it. You're going up and around. So this is your first move. Everybody's up to that move. I just love the confusing aspect of this. So the red comes up and over, and it creates the loop, right, that the thumb is in. You're wrapping the thumb. Whatever finger is doing this procedure, you're wrapping it with the two limbs of the suture. So the red comes up and over. Everybody good to this point? Then after you've wrapped your finger, then you're creating the C. You're saying the okay, right? And you're taking your arm and you're going through the loop. And then you're grabbing the free end of your red. And then you're pulling it through that circle. And then you're grabbing that free end and you're pulling it out. Now you want to sit flat. And flat is this way. And then you pull that down. That's one half of the square knot, right? And then you want to do the other square knot. So one was your thumb. Next one is going to be your index finger. Right? Now you want to make a loop around your finger. So the blue comes up and over. And then the C. And the C goes through the circle. And then it grabs the free end. And then it pulls it back through the circle. And as you come out, make sure that the knot is sitting square and it's laying flat. And that's your second second knot. All right? We're going to have Josh teach it his way. And hopefully between the two of us will correct. Yeah, so if you're feeling a sense of despair right now, that's okay. That is totally common. It's, it, I mean, honestly, it took me a while to learn this. Yeah, so the other thing you'll see surgical interns is you'll see, their, uh, you'll see these knots hanging off of everything they own. And the reason is because they're spending all their time. Yeah, that's mine. So you can actually see I have those knots hanging off of my bag. Because now I just do it as a matter of, like, it's entertaining to me to do that. Yeah. So, so I actually do it differently. I go ahead and cross mine to start. I find it easier. Uh, you don't have to. I also don't actually know how I do it generally. So that's how I do it. We're going to do it the way he taught you. Don't mind me. I haven't taught this in a long time. I, don't, I almost never do this except to tie my shoes because my parents didn't teach me how to tie my shoes with square knots. So I had to learn how to tie my own shoes with square knots. Fun fact. So... <laughs> Same thing, finger guns is kind of the thing. So you see finger guns right there. So, and you tie with one hand. The other, that's the other thing he didn't tell you. He was using his left hand as his tying hand. I use my right hand as my tying hand. It doesn't matter which you pick, just pick one and stick with it. So, In surgery residency, they force you to learn both Right, ways. but you won't need that. So, thumb, right, loop it over, just like he showed you. Come through, bring it out. And then I actually, so you don't want to let go of your suture. The whole reason you do this instead of using an instrument is because you want tension on your knot. 
For, and there are lots of reasons for that. Either the wound's under too much tension, you're tying deep down in a hole. Um, there are a lot of reasons for doing that. Uh, but, gen- but that's, so she was asking, why can't I just tie these like I tie my shoestrings? And the answer is because you're not supposed to let go of the strings, and when you tie your shoestrings, you let go of the strings. So I cross my hands like this. Oh, sad day. So if you're stuck on the mission field and you can't remember how to do this, you can tie this like you tie your shoes. If that's all you got, do it that way. So that's not ideal, but if that's all you got, like just tie a knot any way you know how. The key is to have it come down square, though, because the whole point of this is if your knot comes undone, whatever you were trying to close falls apart. All right. So I'm going to show you guys again. So we're going to start red on right, blue on left. So thumb with my right hand. You make your loop over. You come through your knot and bring the blue through. Then you're going to keep hold, right and right red, blue on left. You're going to cross your hands to bring this knot down. Okay? And now, man, my hands are always in the way. So now, you, you notice how you've already got them crossed? Now you're just going to put your finger through. Oh, man. And then you're going to bring the blue down. Does that make sense? You may not have. I can show you again. So, same thing. Cross. So lay it down. Cross your hands. And now, you notice how my finger's between the two? That's how I'm deciding what to bring through. So I'm always bringing blue through. Does that make sense? You're always bringing... I'll show you again. So, I'm bringing blue through my knot. Right? bringing it down, and then, once again, I'm bringing blue through the loop. So if you make a loop and bring the same color through every time, you're probably making a square knot. Does that make sense? So even if you find some way to do it that we don't do it like that, again, as long as you're bringing the same side through and making a loop every time, you're probably going to be okay. All right. Good luck. Yeah. Yeah. Let me bring my across here and we'll do it together here. Yeah. 
It's called the finger gun technique. I didn't teach it before because I forgot how to do it, but now I remember. So, can I have this? Remember right. that teacher how to do this one time, and then you're just going to despair of everything. <laughs> All right, so, right, red, right, blue, left. Make finger guns like that. Okay? Finger guns, you see them? And then you've got your suture in your other three fingers. Good. Everyone got that? All right, so to do the finger gun technique, you're going to pick one hand. I like my right hand. And you're going to just use your right hand to start. So with the finger gun technique, you want the red around your thumb first. So thumb first. Everyone got that? So red around the thumb. Good. Everybody there. And then you're going to bring the blue over to make a loop. Blue goes over. Everyone following that? Now put your fingers together. Everyone got it? And then, so the whole goal here is to bring the blue through your loop. And every time your goal is always going to bring, is going to be to bring blue through your loop. So you move where you brought your thumb and finger together through the loop. You grab the blue, 
and you bring it through. That makes sense? Are we all still with me? I'm not seeing any despair just yet. I see one girl shaking her head. All right, we're going to start over. So, again, finger guns. So, thumb. So you're bringing your suture around your right thumb. You're going to bring the blue over that thumb as well. So your thumb is like a post. Maybe that's helpful. Put your finger and thumb together. Come through your loop. Grab your blue suture. Bring it through your loop. Okay? Now you're just going to push it down. It's not going to be square, and we're just going to live with that for now. So, now you've got finger guns again, right? So now you're going, to do, you're going to do the same thing, but with your finger. I'll show you what I mean. So now you're using your finger as your post. Okay? And you're going to bring your blue over your finger post. So you see how blue and red are once again over top of each other making a loop? Finger and thumb together. You're going to go through your loop. You're going to take the blue again. Remember, blue is the one that you're bringing through your loop every time. You're going to bring it through your loop. You're going to take it back with your left hand, and you're going to throw it down. Okay? And now you're ready to do it again. So, right and left, thumb is your post. Blue makes the loop. Put them together. Fingers go through the loop. Blue comes through the loop. Cool. Lay it down. Now you're going to do it with your finger. Fingers your post. Blue looped over. Fingers go through your loop. Blue comes back up. Is that at all helpful? Did that help anyone who was struggling before? Okay. So that's another way to teach it. The beauty of this is you can Google this. There are like 15,000 YouTube videos on it. Because every med student and surgeon needs to learn this. So we like, never learned the first go around. Right. There are a thousand ways to teach this. If none of that helped you, you can disregard all of it and just Google it and watch the YouTube videos. And as long as like the name has MD in it, you're probably fine. <laughs> All right, so he's going to teach you the one-handed nod. Oh, and then I'm you would. The you would. Nod. The uh, one-handed nod is by far and away the way we do it 99% of the time. So, number one, those interrupted sutures, instrument tying, that's going to get through, I mean, the vast majority of what you're going to need on the field, at work, in the ER, what have you. That's, it. that's your laceration repair. That's, you know, what you need to walk away from. Out of all the knot tying, instrument tying is the easiest, obviously. <clears throat> and then out of all the handed ties, the one-handed tie is like 99% of what we do in the operating room. So he's going to teach it to you, I'll teach it to you, and then we'll just get this down. So if you, don't, if you want to forget the two-handed knots, kind of okay, because you right. never actually right. see it in real life. Most people just tie it with one hand. So. And gentlemen, as an anecdote, and I probably shouldn't say this, but I will, I taught my girlfriend how to do this, who is now my wife, on our first date, and now we're married. So I'm not saying it works, but it works. Like, you teach him how to do this, it's pretty much guaranteed. That's, that's all I'm getting. That's the positive attitude when you can tie the knot That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. All righty, so... We're going to do, we're not going to teach you how to throw down a, a, a flat knot first, because that just confuses everything. So again, red on right, blue on left. So, you're going to hold both of these in your 
first and second finger like that. Okay? And you're going to pull them like this. So you see what I'm doing there? Your red's coming up out of your hand towards your thumb side. So you're going to do like that, then just flip your hand over. Okay? Is everyone there? Sometimes they call it the karate chop. Yeah. The kind of karate chop. Then you want to take the blue and make it go the opposite direction. So your red is running towards your thumb. Your blue should be running towards your pinky. If you screw this part up, the rest of it doesn't work. So this is like the critical step, okay? Is everyone good on that? So as long as your sutures are running opposite directions, you can probably get a knot down. Even if it's not flat, even if it doesn't work great, this still works. Okay, so here's the part where you're all going to be like, oh, it's magic. So you're going to take your middle finger. You're going to go over the blue and under the red. Okay? Does everyone see that? Do it again. Over the blue, under the red. Are we, all, are we all still there? I'm just going to flatten my hand now, right? So you see, I've got blue and red crossing each other. I don't know if you noticed, but in the two-hand knot, the critical portion was you wanted to cross each other. So we're doing that again. All right, so now I'm going to just flip my hand. Okay? Did everyone see that? And now, magically, I have a knot. We're going to do that again. All right, so remember... You see how my hand's flat? The red's running towards my thumb. I'm going to karate chop, like Elijah said. Oh, I'm sorry, Joel said. I'm really good at this. Uh, um, and then blue's going to run towards my pinky, right? And now, middle finger goes over the blue, under the red, and flattens. You see him crossing? And then you just clamp down between those two fingers and flip your hand. Good. So now you have the first part of your knot. So you're going to push that down. Now for the one that I think is particularly challenging. <coughs> finger guns again. You like finger guns? I do too. All right, so you go like that. You're going to turn your hand over. And you notice how you're making a four here. I don't know if you can see that. You're making a four. So if you can see a four, you're in good shape. Now you're going to put your finger through. I don't know if you can see what I'm doing here. And you're going to put it under the blue, over the red. Does that make sense? Under the blue, over the red. And again, at this point, you just move your hand out of the knot. Did anyone follow that? It's okay if you didn't. I'm not even sure I did. All right, so we're going to start all the way over, right? So, karate chop. Blue running down, red running up. Middle finger goes over blue under red. That's your first throw, okay? And that goes down. Now, you got your finger guns. Finger goes under, and you make a four like that, and then your tape comes off. And then finger goes over blue, and then under red, and you bring it up through, and that's your knot. All right. Now Joel's going to teach you how he does it. It's the same way. <laughs> Fortunately, there's not a lot of variation with the one-handed knot, although I just saw a Boy Scout way to do it, and uh, there's another one-handed way to do this. Um, <clears throat> 
This is, uh, they're both hard. I mean, I'm not going to lie. It's, uh, uh, we lost. They're, oh, they're both hard, so I'm not going to lie. It's going to, uh, it's going to take <laughs> several times to learn how to do this. Yeah. So this is where just grabbing a piece of string and doing this repeatedly over and over and over again, and then eventually your hands get used to the motions. Ten minutes. Oh, man. So you guys, just, you, all you need is five, really, to pick this up. So you should be good. How long was your residency? Four years? Just, just five. Just five years. As I said, the last four years and 11 months are probably the best. All right, you guys can practice. I don't. Hopefully, we can get this working again. But yeah. go ahead and give it a shot. If you've got one yet, then you don't have to learn the other. Different people teaching the same thing. <clears throat> so, gun. Well, what did you start? Karate chop. So, um, I hold it this way, right? You see that? You're holding it between your finger and your index, uh, your thumb and your index finger, and then I'm karate chopping this limb. And then I'm making a loop. So, if you look at it, the three fingers have a full circle around it. That's the key. That's your knot that you're creating around your three fingers. So the three fingers have to be completely wrapped. And then you're dropping your middle finger across the X, grabbing the free end with your middle finger between these two fingers. And then you're pulling this free end through that circle that you just created around your three fingers. <clears throat> That's one side to it. And then the next side is, I create um, basically the number four, but I'm holding it. So you see this space here. You're holding it kind of like this. And then you're crossing this. So this is your one-handed. So you're creating almost a, like a four, the number four, like you said. Let's see if we get this higher. <clears throat> so once we create that, then this one comes around underneath the blue around the red and going through your loop. And this comes down and you create your square knot. And we're going to do that again. It's literally muscle memory. You're just going to do this. You're going to take this home with you and you're going to just keep practicing until this comes to you. So hold like that. Just two fingers. 
Then you're going to do a karate chop. So you're going to take your string and you're going to go karate chop right down on it. Right? So this is one half. You want to get these three fingers wrapped in a full circle. So you're going to do a complete circle. The other half is made up by your left side. Now your, your, your three fingers have a complete circle around it. And your middle finger comes across the X, grabs this free end, grabs that free end, and pulls it through the circle that your ring fingers were in. And then the gun or the four or whatever you want to call it. I have a lot of space. This space is important between your index finger and your middle finger and your thumb finger. Crosses. Index finger goes through, under the red, and comes out. Oh, yeah. We're just going to keep going. I'm just going to keep going. You guys keep practicing. We're going to do this for the next 10 minutes. <clears throat> we're just going to learn how to do this. And then uh, once we learn how to do this, believe it or not, this is, uh, this is the vast majority here. Let me move this down. This is the vast majority of what we're going to do and how we tie knots, okay? So karate chop. So we're going to hold this, right? So this is going to come around, and we're going to karate chop. Got that? Mix the full circle around the three fingers. Then your middle finger crosses the X, grabs the free end between your middle and ring finger. Everybody's playing in this game, right? Every finger's playing. So your middle and ring finger grabs that and it's going to come through the loop. Technically, when it's flat, you're going to go this way. Right? Yeah. So when you're doing it one-handed, the key is you see that this blue post is never moving. Right? You're never letting go of this. This is always standing, and the only one that's doing work is your right hand. Then the next one is I'm spreading it nice and wide, kind of like a violin. You're almost playing a violin here. Um, but you do it wide because if you do it narrow, you're not going to have a lot of time, place to, space to work. So you're going to go nice and wide. This is going to come across. You see that number four? So then this index finger goes up, under. Sorry. I lost grip of that. Up, over. So I'm going to do that again. Four, right? Up and under this one, if I could get it. And then this is going to go through this loop that it just came out of. So it's coming through this loop. Confusing, huh? So when you when you speed this up, you can start tying these knots a lot faster. So it goes down, pulling it down, and then you're going putting the four across and around, and pushing it down, and then you go around and so on and so forth. So, <clears throat> all right, I'm gonna walk around. Thank <laughs> you.
<laughs> Instrumentize if you're going to. You're going to get it done. <laughs> All that well, I don't need my hands. Please complete your evaluations. And I have a sharps container. I'll be passing around. Get your instructions, please.